Right, okay, shall we kick off? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sorry, what What other answer is there here other than, no, I'm not ready, give me a sec, or yes? What? what how come you're somehow no, in between? Because <laughs> uh, I was still trying to think of, <laughs> of a, a witty comeback. For oh, witty comeback. The intro. We yeah. do come back. Uh, so we've got to be fast, fast, fast today, basically. Um, in summary, if you're listening to this, then you might also like to check us out elsewhere on the interweb on the facebook.com forward slash guys on film page you can go give us a bloody like and then on yeah, instagram and twitter you can uh follow at gof podcast and give us a follow now or a message yeah i mean it'd be great if we got those follows though right follows and likes okay let's not yeah. beat around the bush yeah. if you want to do that go do it now um i'm ian he's ollie we're both hi we're both guys, we're chatting about films. It's the Guys on Film podcast. Indie! Did you get it? No. Ah, because the people that we're talking to, uh, it's, a, it's an independent uh, film studio, film filmmakers. Right, and that's an independent. Is that an indie? Indiana Jones quote, is it? Should we just move on? I mean, we we we, we really can't. So we waste do have to be quick uh, because we have a yep. feature-length interview as our deep dive this week. Ollie, you're going to be chatting to the guys from Dark Matter Films. That's right. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, I've actually heard it. You've already heard the interview. Yeah, yeah. I'm not okay. I should stop pretending like it's going to happen in the future. It's not live. I've listened to it. It's good. You do say yep, yep, yep a lot, but what they say really. <laughs> It's what it's all about, and uh, it's a, a really interesting interview hearing the process that they're going through um, making their yeah. new film. So yeah. Uh, yeah. we're actually going to follow them yeah. a bit on Can, their journey. Yeah. I mean, it's annoying and not done because of exactly this sort of thing. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, we're going to follow them a bit on their journey with their new film, um, and we have insider knowledge about their main star, so we'll be able to update on that further down the road. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but before all that, but the stuff, the knowledge is staying inside the cider until they tell us it's okay to release it. Before okay. all that, let's do Seggy One and Life Scores. We've not got enough time to talk about what they are, so let's just get on with them. Guys on Bill, yeah, but guys, we're talking about Bill. It's the Guys on Bill podcast for real. You know what, guys? That's the jingle, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this is rapid. Fine. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. We're moving. We're moving. Okay, Ollie, Seggy One, here's the concept, right? So we're going to do top threes and bottom threes. Um, uh-huh. And that's not like number threes in the bottom. That's like... That's the basically your most liked or least liked things in a particular topic, right? Okay. Follow me. Uh, yeah. Do you want some? Yeah, do you want yeah. some more detail on that? So just a touch more. Just the tip more. Um, so we're gonna yeah. basically come up with good topics that 
makes having to decide what those three are a little bit of a tricky decision making uh, experience. It can't basically be what's your top three uh, what's a trilogy? What's your top three Godfather films? Or what's your bottom three teams currently in a football league of some kind? Like It can't be that. It's got to be something that's kind of tricky. You have to kind of think about it a little bit and then explain. Basically show you're working a little bit. Okay. So I'm also keen that basically we get some listeners to suggest some. So if you've got ideas for things that you'd like us to come up with our top threes and bottom threes of, then just use those things that I've already mentioned uh, on Twitter okay. or Facebook and just let us know what you think. So we're going to start off with a really easy one. I've given you a tiny yeah. bit of prior knowledge about what this would be. So what are your top three Owen Wilson films? Wow. Okay, and, and are you also going to be asking me for a bottom three as well? No, I've got a bottom three, but it's not those bottom. It's not the bottom three Owen Wilson films. Okay, well, let's just go. So number three, all the way down at the bottom, we know that Owen Wilson is known for his kind of rom-com situation comedies. Yeah, that's a given. Yeah, agree. So my favourite one of those, and I think you know where this is gonna be heading because beheading. It's Marley and me. <laughs> beheading Marley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's Marley and me. Okay. It's the it's the dog that you know does a dead film. Oh, that dog's did a dead. And I think that this is peak rom com Owen Wilson, but in still a good film. Okay. So I mean, he's done quite a lot of like bad rom com films where he's really? still kind of like the aloof. Wow, Owen Wilson type. <laughs> But I still think Marley and Me is like a. What do you? It's a good film. What do you it's think? Got, like quite... that wow thing, really? Because like, you're saying it's aloof, right? It's kind of like because he yeah. was in Zoolander and he was like astonished. <laughs> yeah, okay, but that's just like he's got nothing going on between his ears. But like you're saying aloof, <laughs> like um, okay. like in Zoolander, he played uh, a character who's basically yeah Hansel. He was Hansel. He was basically um, sort of in. in I don't know what the word is. Like he he transcended the normal world and learned enough about like like this like, I don't know this the psychedelic world that um basically Ben Stiller's character couldn't get his head around. And then it ultimately ended up they were both just daft as a brush anyway. But like are you saying that he's carried on this kind of like when he says like wow, he's just thinking of everything on a spiritual level. Uh no, I think you're saying that. I'm just saying that he's aloof. But aloof means like he's above other people. No, it means uh, aloof means that he's just a bit like. Do I have to really look up the dictionary definition of aloof? I mean, I have not friendly or forthcoming, cool and distant. Cool. There we go. Cool and distant. Okay. Conspicuously uninvolved. Yeah. <laughs> between the ears. Wow. <laughs> he's conspicuously like uninvolved the other- between the ears. Yeah, like the other week you were saying about the, you know, could you beat Owen Wilson in a wrestling match? You said yes, mm. um, because he would be learning the moves, and but kind of like only watching them and going, wow. I know, but that's because I, I was suggesting that it was all just too much for his brain to take in. Right. Absolutely flabbergasted Look, by the technicality of it all. 
this is starting to sound like we're we're ripping on uh, one of our favourites, so let, let's not go okay, there. Uh, fine. But I, ju- I was actually well. having a quick read of the old parents' guide for Marley and me, and there was one that I didn't read out from when we did the dogs episode. I just want to read it you now because it's got a funny last couple of words uh, that I think you'll have a little chuckle about. So this is uh, sex Bloody and nudity. Love words. Okay, sex and nudity in a dog film. Uh, Marley <laughs> is seen repeatedly humping people and furniture, most notably the obedient school trainer. <laughs> Bloody Marley, eh? We are also told he humped dogs on his walks. During the credits, a short clip is shown during which Marley is humping a sofa and his penis is visible, coming out of its sheath. <laughs> Marley is you think fully naked in the scene. <laughs> uh, okay, number two. Well, now we're moving on to my favourite type of Owen Wilson, Great. which is Action Wilson. Okay. And this is No Escape. Agree. Um, <laughs> Just I agree. Mean, absolutely ri- ridiculous film. It, it really stressed me out. And I, I mean, I don't even know if I liked it that much, but it, it was just like a really stressful film. One that I didn't, I thought, actually sort of pushed the levels of decency quite <laughs> beyond what I expected it to. You know, it was, it was quite grim in places. So it really... It really took me off guard. No escape is at number two. Okay. You don't even know if you like it that much, but it's your number two. (laughs) Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, I quite like Zoolander as well, but No Escape left a bigger lasting impression. Okay. Number one? Number one, we're still going with Action Wilson. And in fact, as is uh, standard, I have the DVD in front of me right here. I I think I know what you're going to say, but go on. Behind Enemy Lines. I thought maybe Shanghai Noon, but I I was actually (laughs) right. It was Behind Enemy Lines. Tagline, his only weapon is his will to survive. (laughs) And on the back, he's actually pointing a gun. (laughs) And this is uh, Short Hair Wilson as well, right? This is Short Hair Wilson, yeah. Yeah. I've got a fact for you. Ollie's fun fact. Um, Let's see if it's Ollie's That's probably not going to process too well but we'll see the film is based loosely on the experience of a USAF captain Scott O'Grady who was shot down in northern Bosnia in June 1995 and was stranded in Serb-held territory for six days before being rescued by US Marines O'Grady brought a lawsuit against 20th Century Fox for damages to his character he claimed he didn't curse as much and never disobeyed orders wow I've actually taken the liberty of having a look at the swearing in this film. Okay. There are 49 instances of cursing, which includes 15 misuses of God's name. M- misuses? Two F-words. Two F-words. Okay. Yeah? Right, Do you think so... they ever combined on that? Like some of the misuse of God plus a fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got to, really, hasn't okay. it? Okay. Okay, it's good. I-, I think you've picked out ones that if anyone were to throw them on, have a watch, they would have... A lovely Owen Wilson time. Great. How many times, maybe we can actually figure this out, but how many times do you think he actually says wow across those three films? Probably not as many because they're both, the, the last two, No Escape and Behind Enemy Lines, are yeah. quite serious. So I reckon he's on the ball throughout. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of time before so somebody creates a website with yeah. the wow count for Owen Wilson. I would, I would, yeah. I would okay. pay some money to a Kickstarter for somebody to do that. Uh, okay, right, so your second uh, set is your bottom three. Now, put your vegetarianism to one side, or maybe that can actually be what this is all about, but what are your bottom three Greg's Bakery food items? 
But what are your bottom three? Imagine you're still a meat eater. Um, you know what? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go ahead and say in that bottom three is probably the vegetable pasty. Yeah. Okay. It's just nothing. It's just potato and carrots. Yeah. It's quite shit. A bit of seasoning. It's. It's not. It's not great. Yeah. And there's also one where there's a beef and vegetable pasty, and that's crap as well. Let me just have a look. I'm just bringing up Greg's menu here because I can't. I can't I've just learned. recall it from from my memory. The website's broken. Uh, just press the menu button and you'll you'll find your way. Breakfast, platters. You want to go uh, to bakes, bakes, probably. Okay, so you've got your sausage roll, steak bake, chicken bake, cheese and onion bake, sausage and bean melt, cheese and bacon wrap, beef and vegetable pasty. looks disgusting. Yeah, okay. that's the one I called out. Okay. The beef and vegetable pasty is the one that looks disgusting. Well, look, I'm going to say, I'd, I'd probably say that the uh, chicken and sweet potato bake is going to be minging. Yeah. I mean, have, I have you had it though to, to confirm? Well, no, I haven't. I haven't had it. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, but I, I do think that the pizzas are especially pretty grim. Yeah. Uh, they're not cooked well on the bottom, and there's a weird kind of Hardness flowery yeah. grit on the bottom as well, which I'm not a fan of. So there you go. There's my. Do three. you remember the time when in Greg's the the pizzas were actually um, baguette slices, and they would just put cheese yeah. and topping on them? I reckon what happened there was there was far too many mouth lacerations. Yep, and they've uh, shifted to a real sort of pizza. I say real, yeah. like it's still a weird bakery pizza. But I think yeah. I think you're yeah. spot on with these. These are these make sense. Uh, okay, okay, fine. Next time, let's do a, a you have three and I have three, and then we'll we'll go. From okay, there. sounds good. Because I mean, we won't have a feature length interview to uh, be up against, so we can take our time. And chat about stuff uh, at leisure. Yeah, and the listener's okay. pleasure. Okay, life scores. <laughs> Live score. How are you? Live score. I'm fine, thank you. Live score. Out of ten. Live score. Pro- probably like a, th- a four. How are you, Ollie? I'm doing pretty good. I I basically um. I put together, I was trying to write through this week to have like a recollection of the things that actually happened so that this would be all right. But I had a highlights this week and then a drizzling shits list. Basically, everything's in the highlights. I've, I've not got too many shit things in the drizzling shits. One thing though, the single thing in the uh, bad column is that tonight I could be in Brighton at a special team gathering uh, that's basically in an, in an arcade like pub place where you can play lots of old arcade games and uh, drink with work colleagues. Mm-hmm. But what I've done is I've, I've foregone that, that free bar, free dinner, free games, free social time to record this with you. Um, no, you haven't. I have. No, that's nonsense. No, I have. Um, I was invited to it late, and then that's when I texted you and said, when do you reckon this week we can do this? And... Um, you, well, I you could said, do it. I could have done it uh, Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday day, any of them times. But Ollie, you're always telling me that we have to do it early enough for you to be able to do an edit. No, I don't. I'd never say that. I always say that I can leave the le- edit up until the last minute because I'm quick. Oh, you're fucking... You're making stuff up. Well, listen, I'm not there and... That's fine. But that's the only thing in the bad column, right? <laughs> but uh, highlights this week. So 
Uh, I had a massage today, Ollie. Okay. Let that sink in. So it was actually really good. I just had a, a really sore neck. And uh, oh, man, okay. this this powerful young guy who's obviously just graduated from uni, he sorted me right out. It was from good. Massage Academy. <laughs> That's something for the porno quiz. Massage Academy <laughs> 3. <laughs> skin slide uh, skin on skin slide so yeah I had that but I was chatting to a colleague about this this week and I had a realisation about it. so basically I said oh yeah I'm going for massage and she was like oh yeah in Soho for a happy ending <laughs> everybody says it though like you can't not there, I don't think there's been anybody in existence that's ever told anybody <laughs> that they've been for a massage without somebody saying oh yeah any good, yeah. It's never happened. No, that's true. Yeah. So are you basically saying that my colleague's banter is uh, just shit? Standard. Yeah, okay. Not shit, just standard. Okay, so I, I was explaining that, and then I did get this realisation that basically I walk past this place every night uh, on the way to Tottenham Court Road, and it's really thin. So you look in the window and it's really thin, and uh, there's just like... It's the UK's thinnest massage parlour. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like... Uh, one meter wide and about three meters long, and um, there just there's like a desk, and then there's one chair there. And when we were talking about yeah. it, I was like, "Fuck, there's got to be about twelve rooms in the back, and that's where everyone gets wanked off." <laughs> like that's that's no way the com- like that's not the sum total of what that particular building is. There's definitely more going on in the back, um, right. but I won't name and shame specifically. Um, couple other quick things basically we finished off something really big in work and i've got a christmas party tomorrow so that's all going good one other observation that like kind of brightened my week was uh today i walked down some steps in the tube and um like i've never seen this happen before but you get the big like picture the scene there's the big sign that shows you what the line to the right of you and the line to the left of you will take you to right and um, uh-huh. it's it's annoying when there's a huge queue and then somebody stops and they're like, hmm, where am I going to go? But I watched three people in a row, all separate, not in the same group. They walked up and then all of them just tapped on the sign when they found where they wanted to go. First person. All right, that's where I'm heading. Walked off. And like just in succession, one after the other. And I thought something weird was going on. I think they just thought it was like London tradition to tap where you're going before you go to the platform. It's one of those moments. I think you probably had to be there. I've had a good week. I think I'm a nine. All, all this um, Ian's gripes slash Ian's just general life chat leads me to believe you've seen no films this I've week. I've seen The Disaster Artist, Ollie. Are you going to tell us about it? Real that? quick. I liked it and I laughed a lot and everyone in the cinema had a good time when they were there. Um, the only thing I would say is I reckon like 80 to 90% of the humour is directly lifted from like the original film. So if you just went to watch the original film... You'd probably find it funnier. Yeah, I think so. Like what was added with all the other scenes in the background was more scene setting and building and a bit about the character and like setting up the mystery of Tommy Wiseau and like who he is and how people don't really know what's going on with him. I don't know, like there were a few funny bits... But it was all just because he's a funny guy, really. It wasn't... Mm. I, I don't know. I I liked it, but I feel like it was leaning heavily on the original film for its laughs. But that's all. It was good. What about you? Okay. 
Um, I'm fine. I've, I've uh, spent a few days working away, so I've been up in uh, in Runcorn near Liverpool. Um, so I had a few spare evenings, so I went to the cinema a couple of times. Oh yeah, Partridge one. And let me t- let me t- yeah, uh, I had an Alan Partridge a couple of days. So uh, <laughs> the first film I went to see was sorry, The Murder on the Orient Express. Okay, which was good. Looks um, shit. No. Okay. Well, what I'd say is, if you've seen the original, or if you've read the book, it's probably like a, maybe a 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10, because it's essentially the same thing. And once you know what the twist is, then you're basically waiting to see it all play out, and it plays out exactly the same as the original film. So it's maybe a little bit pointless. I don't... I, I kind of, having seen it, I don't understand who the film's for. It's not even set on a modern train. <laughs> I mean, what, you know when what I mean? is it set? Same time as the normal film. I mean, wouldn't it be weird if they had, like, fucking bullet trains back then? Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson on it. <laughs> yeah, but just, like, bullet trains and, like... What, what, what? I don't get your point about what they've not even set it on a modern train. Well, my point is that they've remade a film uh-huh. and they've made exactly the same film... It, you know, in many ways, if it feels a little bit like that remake of Psycho, it's the same film. You may as well just go and watch the original Murder on the Orient Express, and you're probably going to get around the same kind of thing, because it's the same twist, it's the same outcome, and it's the same set of events. It's, it's the same film. You're not selling it to no, me, really. no, But what I would say is Kenneth Branagh... Yeah was just brilliant. Really? Wow. I thought he was great. I, th- I really liked him. For some reason, like I really quite like Kenneth Branagh, but for some reason, I think he'd probably be the most annoying bit of that film. I need to go check it out. No, he's need not. To go check it out. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. And because I'd forgotten the ending and forgotten the twist, I'd probably say it was like more like a seven out of ten for me. I enjoyed it. It was intriguing. It was like a nice oldie vibe style film. The acting was a little bit kind of pomp and overblown. You know, just like the old films. Co- common um, phrase there. The pomp good, and overblown. Costumes are good. Yeah, pomp and overblown. It, you know, I liked it. I thought it was good. Okay. Uh, anyway, second film I went to see was Daddy's Home 2. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know whether I want to admit it or not, but I, I enjoyed it, you know? I, I reckon was, I'll quite like it as well. Like, if you like Will Ferrell acting like a man-child, if you like Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg either being mega nice to each other, so it's almost like they're a married couple, and then being like passive aggressive nasty to each other then you're going to enjoy it if you enjoy a bit of slapstick comedy you know you're going to enjoy it there was a there were some good jokes in it john cena probably had the best joke in it as well it was, it was great Who? john cena is john cena in it he's in it he's the third dad so you've third got dad. uh it's so got mark Wahlberg. john cena has totally now he's moved into real movies now yeah and by that I don't mean that this is real movie making but what I mean is this is a mainstream movie it's not something just like some shite thing that WWE films have done all I'm going to say is that the negatives were it was like every scene was kind of moving on to the next stupid thing that Will Ferrell could do so it's like you know let's go bowling well the story doesn't move along but Will Ferrell throws a ball really high Um, (laughs) let's go to the, the ski resort why well, so Will Ferrell can like you know fall down the the slope, um, you know, and it was kind of like that sort of thing all the way through, 
you know, it was it was pretty like threadbare. How, how was John Lithgow? He was he was all right. I thought he was okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he played it a bit weird, but you know, it was fine. <laughs> okay, I mean, I like that. I'm up for that. I want to I want to bring on to the negatives, and they're substantial negatives. The first one is inappropriate jokes. Like there was stuff about um, children dressing provocatively. There was, yeah, there was like a, a joke where a, a young lad slapped a girl on the ass mm, as some kind of pickup line. There was a, a young girl shooting a turkey and she was absolutely loving it. There was there was just one or two off-colour jokes that I felt like they should have known that they were would leave it a sour taste. And I thought they soured it a lot. What, what was like kind of a bit knockabout and a bit throwaway and a bit fun... That, did have a few like jokes that were just odd and weird. Um, that's and that's exactly the type well. of reason why I don't want to see films like this normally, though. Like the trailer made me think, oh, you know what? It'll probably just be a laugh. But like the obscene stuff, like the stuff about provocative children and stuff. If there's nothing really acted upon in it in the film, and it's just obscene, I think that's probably fine. But the the stuff about like slapping a girl on the arse and stuff. If you're kind of normalising just being a sh- well, that's what it is. Shithole. Yeah, that's, it, it that's felt that shit. way, and it felt like what they were doing was they were they had loads of opportunities to kind of have like a point about guns or a point about how you treat women or a point about how you know people you know should slash shouldn't dress or a point about you know. So it's, uh, it's me- the same oh, thing hold as on, Let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, there should be like a a point about how like guys can open up and be emotional and cry and all that kind of stuff but every time that you thought that it might have a a thing to say about it it just kind of took the piss out of it and it was like uh, you know um it, it, I, it, I think though they build those pieces in in order to excuse, excuse themselves for the shit jokes that they make like i was just going to say like the the thing, the Karen Gillan thing in Jumanji, it's like, yeah, well, we're gonna have her look like this, but like, she'll have that one line. Yeah. Like, if if there's a little point about like men being um, like emotional, meanwhile, like one of the main focal points of the humor is like how like it it's it appears like uh, soft for John Lithgow and uh, Will Ferrell to like be yeah. like close to one another like they're poking fun at that for the whole film but they've got that one line that makes it like okay I don't know but what would happen is they'd have that line that makes it okay and then instantly afterwards Mal Gibson would infer that it's still wrong (laughs) you know so it's just like I mean that's what I mean and that brings me to the kind of second point Mal Gibson was really uh, it was it was just a bad casting choice he was playing a womanising alcoholic and he wasn't even doing it in a kind of self-referential have a dig at himself kind of way it was it came was just, too natural it came too natural and and it just felt weird it felt odd um and it felt like a kind of wish that they they hadn't have done that it, it was you know it's not if if mal gibson kind of wants to you know get back into being in mainstream in films then then let's let's not do those roles I'm really surprised he agreed to do it hmm. so there you go that's my okay. that's my opinion so what what's your life score Ollie? I'm, I'm at about a, probably a seven and a half okay can I uh, potentially up that by 
telling you that Coventry's been named the UK City of Culture for 2021. I'm an eight and a half. A one-off opportunity to boost the economy, tourism, civic pride and access to the arts. But also, it's backers hope, a chance to be in the limelight and have some fun. So this is, they've done this in lots of countries. Um, uh, cities in uh, the UK Glasgow and Liverpool in particular have done a lot better since this happened okay. so like in I think in 2021 the the money from the country will come in and then help Coventry to like develop a bunch of this stuff so it is good I reckon but just to kind of counterpoint <laughs> this just to counterpoint that they can try and culture up Coventry but when I looked up Greg's menu, what came up first after the Greg's own website was an article from the Coventry Telegraph that says, Greg's reveal new Christmas menu. Here's what you can get. <laughs> it's like the top item. Do you know uh, I've, so I've been, I've been uh, barred from the Coventry Evening Telegraph Facebook group because I've been causing too much trouble on there. Oh, you're off your head, mate. They're never gonna. They're never gonna run stories about our podcast when we get famous. Uh, so uh, we're now gonna have a little listen to the uh, dark matter interview. So okay, enjoy. Yup, 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 yup. Think I'll probably double check that. So on with Carl Timms. And Mark Brendan from Dark Matter Films. Hello. Hello. Hi, Ollie. How Hi. You doing? Yeah, I'm all good. Uh, thanks for joining us. We've got we've got some questions. They're they're pre prepared, but I guess we're going to have a little bit of a of a chat about what you're up to. So I guess I'd like to start off with how you guys met and what is Dark Matter Films and how it how it all started. So uh, basically was a name um, I came up with as I was reaching the tail end of producing my first short, which is a, a seven-minute zombie film called Still. Uh-huh. And I realized, like everybody does, that you get to the end of the film and you suddenly haven't got a film company and, okay. uh, you know, you have to come up with a name. So, um, so Dark Matter Films was a, had a logo and a, I really liked them, but it also kind of played into some of the ideas idea of kind of poking into the dark corners of the universe and finding the sort of dark tales uh, nobody else wants to make or you know that sort of genre end of things that I'm massively into. Are there any sort of particular films that you both share uh, a keen love of that, that you would say represent Dark Matter films? I mean I, I guess like there's the Romero films that's let's I suppose an obvious one and the remix thereof like um, Zack Snyder's um, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, Dawn of the Dead mm, remake yeah. was, was Absolutely blinding, and I think like sort of Calgary's and that. <laughs> we tend to we we more tend to have disagreements about things on like sort of social media and that. That's um, you know what what is uh, what is a good film and what is not. Like uh, with me, it's um, you know, I'm an advocate for like you know Prometheus and Alien Covenant, and and Carl is Carl is the oh, anti Prometheus and Alien Covenant. <laughs> okay, yeah. Where, where do you both meet on Alien Three though? That's that's the big question. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we we both have a you know. Kind of love a, a love of the genre. Okay, probably goes beyond just film as well. I mean, so we both found out um, through a conversation. I mean, we we met basically at a uh, networking event that uh, that I attend every month. Um, 
in Birmingham and uh, Mark used to until he moved away. But basically we met one night and uh, yeah, we just got chatting about generally about horror films and okay. we, we both really into sort of gothic horror, um, yeah. the old sort of hammer, you mm. know, um, the, the, the stuff of uh, uh, Trigon and those sort of studios that were around at that time. Uh, and uh, and basically just big Lovecraft fans. And yeah. uh, we've got, okay. I think there was a lot of, a lot of that around, uh, a lot of conversation around Lovecraft and Lovecraftian horror and certainly the, the lack of great Lovecraftian films. So, so we just sort of share a, a, a real passion for um, sci-fi, dark fantasy, yeah. uh, horror in particular, um, and and that's always the stuff that I, I'm I'm yeah. an unapologetic genre fan. I always okay. have been, um, yeah. and I always said if I was going to make films, I, I want to make them in genres I love. You know, and, sure. and I don't think a, a genre is, is a you know in fact in fact. I, I, I was going to say, I don't think a genre is a reason to not tell a good story. And in fact, yeah. I will flip that on its head and say, I think some of the best stories have been told using genre. And, and yeah. a lot of my favorite films, you know, use them in spectacular ways to tell very meaningful stories. And, and there is this idea that everything needs to be a kitchen sink, and, and yeah. especially in Britain, um, or, or have an issue or, or, you know, that sort of thing. And, and Mark and I have... Appeal. Yeah, yeah. Mark and I are very sort of anti that. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd, I'd just like to echo what what Carl said there. I mean, uh, there is nothing to be ashamed about with genre. Like, so, you know, too often it's it's kind of looked down upon, both uh -huh. you know, in the literary world and in film. Uh, but I've always loved genre material, and yeah. as Carl says, some of the greatest works, uh, creative works, have been have been genre pieces. Nineteen eighty four is a science fiction dystopia. It's yeah, yeah. It's a genre piece. You know, Huxley, Brave New World. Again, same sort of thing. Kafka wrote sci-fi. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, genre, genre is where it's at for us. And yeah, there's unapologetically so. Actually, one of my favourite films of this year, um, one that came out pretty early on in the year, maybe sort of March time, was uh, Get Out. I if loved that. Yeah. If you've seen that one, quite a bold movie, mixing a little bit of comedy with social commentary and horror. Uh, mm -hmm. And it just works so well. And nothing really this year has come close so far to me. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm a we're all, we're all genre fans here. So actually, question for you, Mark. You you've got a um, a video games design background. That's I just right, kind yeah. of wondered, like, were there any transferable skills? Because you're 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 writing uh, screenplays, scripts. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if you have a hand in the production and all that. But it, you know, what what sort of transferable skill set did you manage to to glean from your years in game design I mean, before video games even i was a writer that's that's how i started okay. off um my first job in the games industry was um uh writing articles and and sort of you know battle reports and things like that for um games workshops okay in-house magazine white dwarf and while i was working for them I, I wrote short stories for them as well which got published when it comes to video games as well, doing that, doing that whole like kind of world building stuff and coming up with a narrative arc yeah. for the yeah. game, that, that's all. Th those those stories just transfer across whatever media you're doing it. Whether it's you know whether you're writing comics, whether you're writing novels, whatever it is, you've got that you've got that like sort of you know central structure, that hero's journey, yeah, you know, three act to five act structure, whatever it is. And but you can't you know, play you, the film. <laughs> yeah, you kind of you kind of tweak it for whatever media that you're working in. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I came out of doing games, like um, I still do a bit of like kind of freelance work in that in games these days, but um, I, I kind of stopped being uh, a game designer, as it were, in earnest. Yeah. Uh, maybe about five years ago to concentrate a lot more on writing film. So, so I, I just like you know, I, I, I 
took a look online and, and learned a lot there and read some books on like screenplay structure. Have you got any that you'd, that you'd like to name drop? Well, I, would, I mean, I would always name drop like kind of Blake Snyder's Save the Cat, which is like, you know, it's it's great for like, you know, getting, getting you started in order to actually okay. learn the craft. I mean, it's a bit controversial, that one, because over the last few years it's become somewhat of a template for hollywood studios and okay. has been accused as the, re the reason for being cookie cutter films coming out it's it's a set of guidelines it's not it's 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 not yeah. an absolute you know rule and you, you take that and you, you research there's other books on screenwriting structure yeah there are um, you know there's plenty of other advice online that you can find on what to put in screenwriting so in the end like i had a look at a load of it and i cherry picked the bits that i like to create okay. a the sort of screenplay format that I work to these days. That's cool. And um, Carl, so you've been, they say, making like short films and you've worked on documentaries, uh, music videos for quite some time. Your profile says like 20 years, which is longer than I've been in the in the video games industry and certainly longer than I've, I've been doing podcasting. So you've, you've seen quite a bit of the creative side and now you're delving deep into the into the kind of business side. It, like how rewarding has it been so far to kind of set up Dark Matter films um, or how daunting has it been, I guess? <laughs> well, um, okay, so, so, so basically I'd say at the moment actually it's more of a, more of a shallow dive. We're trying to take it, <laughs> quite, we're trying to take it quite easy. Yeah. We, wanna, we, we don't want to take any massive risks. Um, no, sure. What we want to try and do is get, get projects made at realistic budgets without breaking okay. ourselves. And the reason for that is because basically I tried that uh, <laughs> nearly 20 years ago. Basically, this is kind of what I think considered to be my uh, uh, my actual uh, attempt at this because uh, everything yeah. before it was a rehearsal. Um, okay. So basically, my, my 20s was a, was a kind of... Um, cocky guy coming out of uni thinking you know he could get into the business his own way try and do things um yeah. actually called us some sort of fairly I, I think looking back fairly uh, stunning sort of moves that i, I don't yeah. even know okay. how i do it now so so basically a mate and i um decided we were going to make a documentary and uh, by the time we were 23 we'd raised forty thousand pounds to make a documentary and oh. it was meant to be for broadcast we made it i'm very proud of it um Almost nobody has seen it. Uh, it didn't get broadcast. Uh, the tide turned around 9-11 uh, towards, uh, it was a World War II documentary, and at that point, nobody okay. wanted to buy them. Right. Or, you know, current affairs and, and uh, okay. uh, follow, following up from 9-11. So, so basically, uh, yeah, that led to uh, some pretty uh, barren years of, uh, okay. you, know, you know, in terms of money. And, uh, and I learned a lot from it. Um, you know, I learned that I couldn't do everything. Uh, I learned that I didn't know probably what the hell I was doing um, and and I took a massive step back I also did had some other ventures I did some uh, straight to DVD projects like sports projects and okay. things which which again were gonna make me rich um, right. but uh, sort of so when you say sports projects is this is this the kind of thing like Danny Dyer's World Cup nightmares. <laughs> um, well, no, even worse, even worse. This was—I mean—you you don't get much more niche than this. Um, okay. it, it doesn't even exist anymore. So, so it's—it's it's quite funny talking about. It. But basically, I—I um, I tried to become the UK's leading company making sport paintball DVDs, and um, <laughs> okay. at the time, in the mid uh, mid noughties paintball was massive, and there was yeah. a professional league in America, and they—they they actually had like a full paid team that were actually doing it for a living in right. Russia, and 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 it was a worldwide thing. But um, I happened to have some connections into the industry. Uh, I made four documentaries, uh, well, one clip show, four documentaries that that were basically extremely well received. Uh, uh, you know, the wow, magazine okay. said they were the the best paintball films you'll ever see. You know? <laughs> 
and uh, I made I made extreme. I made literally. Uh, can I swear on this podcast? Uh, you can swear all you like. Yeah, so, so basically I made literally fuck all, and, uh, <laughs> and I got robbed, and I got ripped off, uh, I had DVDs just, just taken that I never saw any money from, I, you right. know, it was all sale or return, and, and, and I basically slogged and slogged and slogged until I just gave up, so, so I kind of took a massive time off about seven years where I just thought I can't be, I've just, I'm just burned out, I just can't do this anymore. A uh, whole change in lots of circumstances, and uh, I just came, came back sort of fighting and uh, decided that I was going to make an actual short film because because ultimately I didn't really want to make documentaries I didn't want to make corporate videos I I wanted to be a you know a filmmaker and I thought well let's yeah. just get back to what you originally wanted to do and try and get a short made and, and that's how okay. still came about okay I just I do want to talk about still but actually something that you mentioned about budgets as well was a uh, question that I had for Mark really was like when you're actually kind of writing your scripts, writing the stories, um, planning it all out, does Carl ever give you any sort of funny looks when you start writing above budget? Like when, when you start when you start writing uh, anything that may may cost a little too much. Yeah, it happens. I mean, uh, I've kind of got a, I've kind of got a bit of an eye for it now myself. Okay. So, so I sort of forced myself yeah, to write a spider to, sense to, to realistic to realistic budgets. When I first okay. started, the first thing that I did was I come out of game like video games where the, the challenge is a slightly different one in terms of budget. Yeah. So I just kind of wrote what I wanted to write, which I thought would be like, you know, a great story, which had like, you know, massive naval battles and like, you know, loads of, loads of like, you know, kind of special effects going there and everywhere and elaborate yeah. sets. And it was never going to get produced for a first time writer. Like it was yeah. a complete unknown. So that one's been kind of consigned to the back burner now until the day that I become like, you know, rich and powerful enough to, to get it pushed yeah. through. But yeah, since then, it's been a gradual process. Like sort of each screenplay that I wrote after that, I was like thinking more and more and more in terms of budgets until probably about the last three that I wrote have been, um, have been the case where I've just been going, right, I need to think about how to do this like as cheaply as possible yeah. um, in order to you know keep the locations to a minimum and yeah. to keep the number of characters to a minimum as well. Okay. So for example, like one of the recent screenplays that I wrote, half of it takes place inside the crew compartment of a tank with just like, okay. like three people as the tank crew. Okay. Opens out a bit like sort of halfway through, but yeah. Yeah, well, Ian and I, um, other podcast hosts, Ian, we're big fans of single location movies, um, like things like Buried, um, 127 Hours, things like that. I think I think there's a hell of a lot you can do uh, with the location. I, I mean, Ian doesn't like 127 Hours as much as I do, but uh, <laughs> I, I think that's a fantastic film. Um, really delves into the, you know, the absolute mental trauma as well as the physical trauma. But the mental trauma that someone goes through, I think. I think it brings out good writing in you. Whenever you, whenever you've like sort of, you've got restrictions like when, when you've got like sort of ob an obvious box around what you're doing. You're yeah. Like, sort of go, oh, use your imagination, think outside the box. Well, you've got to be really like imaginative and like work within sort of parameters and bring out yeah. the best. And that forces <laughs> yeah. you to like focus on the on the, the human drama of it oh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. not rely on like you know. CGI whiz bangs going off and like you know spectacle instead. It still was pretty much one location. So tell us a little bit about about that because it's a it's a very creative take on the zombie genre. So just when you thought that zombie films or any kind of zombie story felt they'd plateaued in some respects, there'd been a hell of a lot of them. Every game seemingly had a, a zombie mode, but actually still really took me by surprise in actually being able to do something that was still quite interesting with the story so you tell me a little bit about the inception of of still and what it's all about 
Yeah, sure. So um, it, it's quite interesting, actually, that you were saying about uh, do I do I try and control Mark, you know, in terms of budget? I, I think in a way it's almost like uh, both directions because uh, yeah. actually my natural tendency isn't to try and think how cheap can I do this. Like my natural tendency is is to go big and go, it, we'll, we'll do it somehow. So, so when, when I came up with the idea for Still, basically um, the, the, the idea of Still is uh, it's about a living statue entertainer who is caught in the middle of a zombie attack and he freezes in fear and the zombies don't realize he's real because he's painted okay. gold so so it, it was a very simple concept it yeah, it's brilliant from, i was walking down i was walking down the south bank one day i saw a statue painted silver there were some kids right in the guy's face and they were pulling faces and i don't know i've been trying to think of an idea and i, I was just in that place you know where, where i was just strolling yeah. down and i just thought oh wow that's really cool imagine if that was a zombie and then, and then I just, that was it. It basically wrote itself, you know, it just yeah, wrote itself yeah. from there. Um, and, and I pitched it for about two or three of these network meetings that I go to. And, okay. and I, I tried getting a writer to do it and, and none of them got it. I didn't know Mark at that point because he would have okay. got it. Mark yeah. definitely got it, but I tried pitching it to people that said they were horror fans, and I said it's, it, there's, there's a statue, and, and he's looking at a, like a zombie, and the zombie's looking at him, and he can't move, and how yeah. and what happens, and they they just kind of didn't, they just like, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I ended up writing it myself, and I'm no writer, but basically I was, I was uh, you know happy with how it came out because it was it was basically a sketch really. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's close. It's I mean it's very close to almost a comedy sketch, like a situation, yeah. like uh, yeah, o almost something that I could. I could envisage that um, if you've ever seen Limmy, um, mm. that you know he's he's got a he's got a particular Limmy. he's got a particular sketch where he accidentally hammers his hand into a wardrobe and he has to pretend like he hasn't done it and and there's just the final shot of him at the landfill <laughs> still <laughs> still in the wardrobe not being man enough to uh, admit that he's hammered a nail through his hand. But, I actually yeah. saw he did a sketch the other day where he was literally looking at a, stat a real statue thinking uh, it was a living one so uh, so at that point okay. i was laughing because it reminded me but um okay. so, so basically I, I i did this thing i wrote the script and and i was like okay i'm quite happy with this i managed to sort out a location because I, I work in an area that had this brand new square so i thought okay and this is one of the things if people are thinking about starting films one of the one of the key things i think to making anything successful is is to try and just think outside you know, it's such a cliche thing outside the box, but to try and think of ways to use whatever's going on around yeah. you. And, and in this case, a square had just recently opened. Yeah. They'd spent millions on doing it up. Yeah. And I just thought, they're going to want to plug this. Yeah, so yeah. what a great opportunity. So, so I went to film Birmingham and I explained what I wanted to do and where I wanted to film. They put me in touch with the, the people who own that bit of land and uh, they were just well up for it. They, yeah. they were like, this sounds great. Zombie films, you know, very in at the moment. Um, let's, 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 do something and they even agreed to help me they they gave us um some market stalls okay. so what we decided was the setting was going to be like a farmer's market sort of thing right okay uh, they actually paid for the stalls and they they gave us these stalls and that saved massive amounts in in location yeah. dressing and yeah. um so so you know the, j just making those connections and coming up with that location immediately it started to sort of get some momentum um and uh and yeah basically my the, the biggest thing and this you, you can't plan this you can't you know you can't say to anybody we'll go out and just have a strike of lightning but basically yeah. for me the strike of lightning was i went to the exact same networking meeting the same one i met yeah um, you know mark at and i got chatting to a guy 
called Stuart, um, who told me he was a prosthetics makeup artist. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's great. Have you ever done any zombie stuff? I need a makeup artist. It was literally the day I'd been to see Film Birmingham and, and okay. I was on a high and I was like, right, we're going to make this film. So, and I've got to do it because I've got to just make one. I've okay. got to bash it out. And I, at this point in my head, it was going to be quite small scale. Right. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm a makeup artist and I've done zombie stuff. And I was like, that's great. Oh, so cool. we arranged to meet okay. and, uh, and we, we had a drink and, uh, and then he got his portfolio out and he's showing me all this stuff and, and he'd been working on a bunch of shorts and stuff and he yeah. said he just got back from Canada and, and I was thinking, okay, his work's pretty good. I was looking through it and then suddenly I turned the page and it's like Bill Nye and uh, uh, Nick Frost. Uh, and I was oh, like, hold on a minute, did you work on Sean of the Dead? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I was the head of the department. <laughs> uh, and... Oh. Uh, and I was just like, wait a minute, you, you were the head makeup artist on Shaun of the Dead. And, and he's like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, what else have you done? And he's like, oh, I'll just, look, just look at IMDb, I've done loads. He was like, yeah, what else do I need to have done? <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, Shaun of the Dead, I was sold, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. Then, but then this was the kicker. If you're a horror fan and you, you know, this was the kick for me, I then turned a page and there was a shot from Brain Dead, the Peter oh, wow. Jackson film. Yeah. When he was 21, he went out to New Zealand and worked on Brain Dead with Peter Jackson, and no he way. he designed the zombie baby that is in Brain Dead. And no at, way. at that point, I was just like, Jesus Christ, you, you want to work <laughs> on my film? Yeah. And, and he's just like, Yeah, I've just moved to the area. I'm just getting to know people. Wow. Take a couple of days, okay. whatever. So so he basically just jumped on board. He loved it. He did all the effects. Um, I gave him as much money as I could possibly afford. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A huge yeah. amount. And, and I mean, it, it, we really. I, I take it you were happy with the result. I mean, it looks it looks oh, fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't have done it without him. And, and so, so the at that point, the key was uh, I've I've got somebody of note. I've, I've got a a somebody yeah. that I can hang my hat onto here. So so I started using Stuart, and he was fine with it. I started using Stuart as my my go to for why people should give me their money, and and, and okay. that fed into the crowdfunder. Um, and he was kind of the face of that in a way. Okay. Um, and I think I hung quite a lot on the effects are going to be good. You know, this yeah. is a really low budget thing. We're only asking for three grand, but the effects are going to be really good. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, he, he delivered. Um, and because, really because of his involvement, you know, I think we managed to raise that money. If, if he hadn't been on board, I would have struggled to raise even three grand, I think. You know, okay. it, would have, it would have been a struggle. But um, So where that, can that people watch it? So, so still is uh, still is available for sale. Um, it's it's on, on, it's not on YouTube because basically okay. um, it did a festival circuit. We've just finished. It's been touring yeah. for the last year, doing festivals all over the states. It's, it's done twenty five festivals, and um, the at one of them it got picked up by a distribution company who specialise in short films, and yeah. they are selling it to TV. Uh, it's sold to a station in America and it's sold to somewhere in Europe, and and they've only just really started in the last few months but um you know it's doing okay and and yeah. i'd love to say i'd love to say i'm going to break the the cliche that you're not nobody makes money from short films but i yeah. haven't seen a penny yet so, okay. <laughs> so so yeah unfortunately um you know we're still we're still waiting but but because of that i'm tied in for a couple of years i can't release it for free but right. the film is available for sale it's only one pound 59 and it is uh it is available at vimeo uh slash vimeo.com slash on demand slash zom short still and as most people would say, it's less than a cup of coffee. So exactly, know. exactly. And, and sure I, would, I would absolutely love people to come and support it because basically all yeah, the money we raised from still is not going in my pocket. It's going into the next one. And uh, Mark and I is next. It's going in Mark's there. pocket. <laughs> well, well, hopefully it will go in everyone's pocket. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, we, we have a big plan. Communal pocket. Yeah, the communal pocket for the next one. So actually, um, just on that, uh, I just really wanted to quickly ask you about uh, Mark. 
something that you wrote in your blog, which was that you went to the to a Birmingham film marketplace and you pitched a script idea for a, like a Dead Man's Shoes esque, Harry Brown esque film uh, pitch called Nobody, uh, and you okay. said that it didn't quite go as planned. I, I was just interested if you could elaborate on on that kind of experience of of pitching to somebody and kind of learning from that that process there and then. Yeah, it was the first time, like Carl and I went along to it. Uh, it's the first time we'd, we'd attended something like that, which is like a, a major pitching event uh, where there was a lot of um, studios like Film 4 and BFI came in, a lot of big independent studios like Movie House, um, sort of Ironbox Capital, people like that came along to it. Uh, so we had our project ideas accepted for, for pitching and, and we met a couple of people on the day. So the, the first meeting that we had, uh, we decided to pitch the the aforementioned project, Nobody, um, which we'd, um, we'd taken the decision that we were going to write it as partial improv. So it's not a traditional screenplay. Okay. Um, it's got sections. It's got sections in it where it's just like, instead of dialogue, there's just like a, a kind of placeholder block which says, yeah. Get you know, to um, Danny and John have a conversation here and this this is the sort of thing that happens and it's more of just an instruction okay. to the actors to take it in a, in a particular direction. Okay. Now, as soon as the guy that we were pitching to heard that, he said, well, don't do that. <laughs> so that, that was the first valuable piece of advice that we got on okay. the day. It's like, you know, if you're going to turn up at an event like that, bring them standard, you know, okay. finished, reasonably well-polished, mm -hmm full draft what, screenplays is that unless you are literally shane meadows yeah yeah exactly, exactly yeah you know okay if you you know if you're if you're somebody who's who can command like sort of, you know the, the the his own his own projects like yeah. quentin tarantino notoriously gets away with like not writing sort of standard <laughs> screenplays because yeah. he's quentin tarantino so who's going to tell him otherwise yeah but uh but yeah nobody else can get away with that <laughs> Okay. So a good bit of advice that, yeah, if you're a starting filmmaker doing your first feature, then uh, don't improv. Okay. Yes, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, we just um, wanted to know, uh, just one sec. So tell us a little bit about the project that you're, I guess, that's, that's front and centre at the moment that seems to be off-grid. Yeah, so... Off Grid is a post-apocalyptic supernatural thriller, so we're really going for it on the genre. Okay. Um, Any tentacles? Uh, actually, no, no tentacles. Okay. Fine, fine. It's got, uh, it's got demonic possession and uh, glowing eyes, so yeah, okay. it's pretty good. So that was uh, one of the scripts that Mark had already written when we met, and it turned into an interesting process actually, because Mark, I was just saying I, I'm looking for ideas for my next short. Okay. And Mark said, oh, I've written a few and here's one of them. And I think at that point, Mark, you were, you were is it fair to say you were, you were kind of happy with it, but you weren't, you weren't like ecstatic about off-grid, were you at that point? No, it was, it was kind of a throwaway thing. I was, I'd, I'd initially planned to like just film it myself out at a Bothy or something with a camera. It was going to be a really sort of cheap and cheerful affair just to kind of go, right, well, I've done something now. So yeah, uh, that, that, that was where it was at. And like, you know, I kind of liked the idea of it. And, um, but, you know, when I showed it to Carl, um, yeah, he thought there was there was something about it that could be developed there and and you know be greater than the, the sum of its current parts at the time. Okay. Yeah, and that's where that's where the teamwork thing really came in because um, I I think Mark Mark had written it and sometimes you know when you write stuff you're a bit too close to it I guess and sure. and he he he'd written it as as how he saw it but when when I read it I just thematically it was it was really interesting but I I thought it was just it was just missing a kind of it, it was missing a bit of heart and and actually 
structurally, the script is almost identical to what Mark originally wrote. Um, there's a few extra bits we've added. We've added a couple of extra scenes. But, but really, what changed was the characters and the, the, the sort of themes behind what was, what was going on. I, I don't want to spoil it because there's a, no. there's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a film with a twist and, and, and you know, there's, there's quite a lot going on. But what we did was we focused more on just on the characters and it went from being almost like a straight up just sci-fi action thing with a, you know... Um... Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a bit of a future shock type thing as, mm. as it stood, like, you know, maybe a, a kind of short, um, you know, sort of 2000 AD future shocks. But uh, but then, like, you know, when Carl came on board and looked at it, we, we ended up doubling the size of it. But as, as Carl says, the, the, the structure of it remained the same. But in those in those scenes in between, we added a lot more dialogue. There's a lot more exploration of like the, the characters' backgrounds and like, so, you know, what has happened to them, where, where, you know, where they'd come from to get where, where they're at now. And it added this whole like, you know, emotional depth to it that, um, well, frankly, it was, it was lacking before. It was, it was a bit of a like, so, you know, it's, you know, one of these like kind of, you know, short, sharp, shock twist movies uh, before that, um, mm. which didn't really have the, that much emotional scope to it. I think, yeah, the main, the main thing it has now that a lot of people who've read it seem to agree on is it, it tells a full uh, emotional arc in the space of 15 minutes. It, it's, it's actually the sort of idea you could almost imagine stretching out to a feature. And actually, we are, we are thinking about that as a potential okay. next step. But it works as a short film um, as a beginning, middle, and an end. And okay. one thing that I've been to a few of these festivals now, having seen um, still in, in a few of those, um, and you know, I watch a lot of shorts online, and I'm sure a lot of people yeah. would agree. The main issue a lot of shorts suffer from is they're either just an idea that doesn't really go anywhere, yeah. or they are a sketch, or they're, you know, there's just a, a lack of depth. They're, they're a technical showcase, but there's no, yeah. there's no real heart to it. And, and I think what I love about Off Grid is, is it's, it really tells a full story in 15 minutes, a full character okay. art with background and depth and emotional depth that you can cling to. And I think, um, yeah, we're very, very keen on, on getting this one made. And uh, okay. th things are moving forward. It's, um, it's, it's only just sort of really at, at the beginning, but uh, we're hoping to shoot in March. Yeah, so we, we've begun the casting journey for Off Grid, and right from the beginning, I, I've been very clear, this has got to be a massive step up from still. It's still for three grand. The budget on this one is much bigger. Um, mm -hmm. We're aiming for 25, 30, which is yeah. a lot for a short, and, uh, and we're going to need to raise a lot of money. We know that, um, but we want to, A, pay everyone. B, we, we knew it had to be of a scale that we could try and attract some some proper names if, if i was going to give any tip to to anybody who, who wants to start making short films and and kind of get into the industry you, you've got to think big because i i know so many people that i meet every single month at these network meetings um you know that that just want to knock films out left right and center they they yeah. use their mates they're filming with like people from you know places like star now that haven't got any experience and and uh, and honestly the most short films you see the the biggest problems that technically a lot of short films are starting to look quite yeah. but acting and sound it, you know they're the two areas that you just mm -hmm. can't get around um yeah. and, and script you know if you have a bad yeah. script you're, you're off to a bad one anyway but but even sometimes good actors can even turn around a bad script and but rubbish actors will never do anything and uh and most short films fall down just on on a lack of imagination with casting and i think just aimed high and uh, in this case it's, it's worked and actually that came out of a great piece of advice that i got um it, you know it's it's not the cheapest thing but basically a mate of mine about six months ago said to me if you want to get decent people in your cast, 
use a casting director you need to know people who know people and uh, you you will never get past an agent and uh, and i think that's that's something that my mate who's producing feature films he said to me that's so awesome. i i swear by that advice now casting directors are absolutely worth the money and it didn't cost us a huge amount networking Just, that's that's, that's yeah. kind of my top tip is okay. that you know, get out there and meet other people who are trying to do the same thing if you're starting off and you you know you will get advice like that and you will find out what they're doing and they will you know you will get loads of good advice that will steer you straight it's people of kind of made the mistakes on your behalf i suppose and trying to steer you in a on on course Mm. don't be afraid to admit you don't know everything and use people around you who are have experience i mean that that's the biggest piece of advice you can use and and uh you know we're doing that on our current one we've brought in an exec producer who's got feature film experience we've got a casting director who's who knows people we we you know we're going for actors with with past you know talent and lighting people that have worked on feature films so we're just trying to surround ourselves with people who know what they're doing because we we admit that you know we're at the beginning of our journey and uh ultimately i'd love to keep following your journey towards getting off grid made and uh, and all the things that happen with the with the company i think it's fascinating really interesting what you've done especially with like you say just kind of thinking big throwing it out there taking these risks uh you know it should be you know pretty inspirational for you know for people that, that kind of want to get started but at this point in time stuck in their own head with an idea mm. um almost like afraid to put pen to paper uh, which I think is is the first stumbling block. Just getting the idea on paper to start with. Um, and I, I just kind of really just quickly wanted to ask you, Mark, if, if you've got any tips for just getting those ideas out of your head and onto paper so they exist. I mean, I actually, I mean, I, I'm quite mechanical about the process of that these days. I wasn't at first. I would, I would literally sit there with like a blank page in front of me and then try and fill it in. But um, I've got a process that I go through with it these days. So once you've had your initial idea, let's like you know, let's assume that you've done that. That's yeah. safe. <laughs> yeah. yours, you can go with that. <laughs> once you've got your idea, then I spend about a week preparing it before I actually start writing the screenplay. At least sometimes two weeks. So what I'll do in that time is I'll write what's called a sequential outline, which just breaks it down into eight chunks. First act is two chunks. Second act is four chunks, and the third act. There's another two chunks and those each of those chunks is about a paragraph or so just detailing like what happens in each of those bits so you've got like okay. the, the kind of structure there and you know if you're finding that there's gaps in the middle or whatever you you know you better work on that to fill it in so you you've got a good skeleton to hang stuff on then the next yeah. stage is like a, a map that out onto onto like a grid of about 40 scenes I, I use a spreadsheet for it some people use index cards like that's the yeah. traditional way that like sort of Hollywood screenwriters used to do it, but that'll get mapped out on on that sort of grid, and then you've got like forty scenes, and that makes up your standard feature film. I always kind of go for yeah. forty, but like you know, it doesn't have to be that number. It could be a little over, it could be a little under, but around about that. Yeah. Then once yeah. I've got all that, and I know what's going to be in every single scene, then I'll sit down and write the screenplay, and that you know, with all that prep work that you've done, that's half the battle. You don't have to sit okay. there just staring at the page going, what am I going to write next? Because you already right. know what you're okay. going to write next. You've already planned yeah. out your scenes. But now you've just got to bring it to life with characters and dialogue. Exactly, yeah. Then then you've just got to inject magic here because you've done all of the, uh, <laughs> you've done all of the technical yeah. bit. And then scribble out any bit where you've put massive explosion that costs yeah. <laughs> X amount of money over budget. Yeah, that single effect has 30 grand. <laughs> give away to do it. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's that's awesome. That's um, yeah, that's great advice. Um, just yeah, just want to obviously wrap things up uh, with just a do on the podcast um, is that we pitch ideas to each other 
last week I was pitching Ian some business ideas um, for spin-offs based on films. So we had uh, a robotic lawn maintenance company called MoboCop. Okay. Where the slogan for the company could be the future of lawn enforcement. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of terrible nonsense. Uh, so I just wanted to, I, I wanted to pitch you an idea. Um, so my idea for a short is called Thing or No Thing. And it's basically a bit of an episode of Deal or No Deal, but with the blood test from the thing. What do you think? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, you're in. You green lighting it? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Wow. Well, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I Sorry, yeah. I'd say to that. <laughs> I mean, it, again, it right. I mean, surely it writes itself. You know, there's tentacles. I mean, but, but it's, that... it's a great idea. Okay. Go for it. Yeah, it's a great idea. Okay, well, that's that's sold. Um, Who's on the end of the phone? How does that work? Well, with the, with the banker. Yeah. So maybe it's John Carpenter. <laughs> it could be Kurt Russell. It could be Kurt Russell, yeah. Uh, it could be the Husky from the start of the film. Who knows? Uh, but at the end of it, there's going to be lots of tentacles, lots of latex effects, and uh, you know, a dashing of flame. I, mean, I, I assume you. I assume you just. You, you know, you've got a lot of petri dishes racked up instead of boxes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So everybody stood in front of a petri dish, and then your uh, the contestant is saying number twenty one, and then he has to dip his little oh, yeah. thing in, and you know. His little yeah. thing, and it, I mean, yeah, exactly. But obviously, not the, the the thing here is obviously if someone does turn into a thing, then everybody's fucked and dead. Mm. So I mean, you know, the, the, you don't you don't want to turn it into the thing. You want to avoid the thing. So <laughs> I, I've only got one thing to say to that, Ollie. You've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> yes, very good. <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm not. I'm getting it made. So. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much i hope you've uh i hope you've enjoyed it i found it really interesting and i hope we can have you back sometime is it possible can we just quickly plug uh yeah you can plug Oscar, away uh indiegogo because uh, yeah. that is coming in January. i'll be quiet plug away so we have a pre-launch um campaign page set up for off grid um the url is uh, a bitly link it's a bit of a mouthful so it's um bit.ly slash 2XUEY7F. And uh, if people could go there and sign up, they will get pre-campaign information about and information about perks that we're going to be doing. Uh, we're expecting to run the campaign in January or February. Um, but uh, yeah, please come and support that. We need all the help we're going to get because we really want to get this made and it's got a top-notch cast and crew and uh, could be a real contender as a as a short so uh, okay. we just hope people will get behind it and support us we'll absolutely share the link and uh you know promote it promote it as well and we will yeah we're, we're going to be very interested to see where it goes and uh thank you and we hopefully look forward to uh, having you back on uh, in a few minutes time to sort of see how it's all going that would be that would be awesome that'd be, be fantastic okay cool end of segment yeah, 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 okay, yeah, 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 get you, get you, hearing you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what I would have answered, actually, is something like this, because I wrote the question to tell you my point. Uh, I don't think... <laughs> I don't. I don't think you actually said that. I, I'm just looking <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
Are you quite done? Do we need um, an ending after the yeah. interview? Yeah. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Yeah. Okay. What do you reckon we're going to say? How does it uh, end? So, uh, Ian, what do you make of the interview just quickly? I think, yeah, 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 it was great. Um, no, I think uh, I actually had, uh, n- like, not too much of an idea about what the guys did until you'd fired them up to me. But what I could find online also didn't give me that. And having a listen to what they were talking about and specifically how they developed films, that, like, the script insights and the books to read about script writing and stuff was particularly interesting to me and like lots of just like the things they've been through to get projects off the ground um were super interesting so yeah i'm keen to hear what comes next um and like where where they're at maybe in a couple of weeks and would you have greenlit thing or no thing Mm, yeah i actually think that's a good idea oh thank you okay so do you want to um play us out yeah if you've liked listening to this interview um and would and like all to the other hear bits. it wasn't just an interview there was yeah well hold on bear with me ollie if you've liked listened to the interview then what you can do to make sure that you catch the follow-ups as we catch up with the guys from dark matter films again is go to our facebook uh, facebook page facebook.com forward slash guys on film and follow the links on there to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast because what it'll do is download the new episodes automatically so you don't have to bother about downloading them when you're off, you know, like when you're on Wi-Fi and all that sort of bollocks. Just go subscribe, that'll help us out and it'll also mean you get to listen to the follow-ups on this interview and hear the interesting news about like who they're casting for their main character Um, and also if you just want to get hold of us on uh, Facebook you've already got it if you want to get us on Twitter and Instagram we're at GOF podcast G-O-F podcast <laughs> okay uh, that's it yeah what's your best Greg's <laughs> um, I'm, I'm partial to a like a cinnamon swirl oh the okay I quite like the sort of toffee fudge donuts but really it's all about like probably five sausage rolls and some brown sauce and just fucking and maybe some tomato ketchup five five you can vary up just the the problem is there is that you're running a risk that they're gonna start getting cold and once they start getting cold they start getting grim because they start kind of solidifying and all the fats start making themselves known by the fourth one I hate myself anyway so I don't think it matters when I get to five anyway We're done here.